Welcome back everyone to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world, and I'm your host, Max Bowen. Imagine showing up one day and not being able to remember a thing about yourself, but knowing the life you're leading isn't the right one for you. It's an interesting premise, and the one explored in Lisa Sherman's debut book, Forget Me. Lisa and I explore how identity and memory tie together, and if one can exist without the other. We look at the main character, Wanda Dallas's quest to discover the truth about herself and the obstacles in her way. Since this is Lisa's first book, we look at the editing process, how she planned the whole thing out, and the big question, what's next in her writing career? And joining me now, she recently released her first book, and I gotta say, I love talking to first-time authors. Chicago lawyer, turned writer, Lisa Sherman joins me to talk about her recently released book, Forget Me. Lisa, welcome to the show. It is so cool to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. All right. Do you mind uh, just like walking us through the story of Forget Me? Yeah, sure. Um, so Forget Me tells the story of a woman who is discovered washed up on the banks of the Wisconsin River. Um, she has just been in a mysterious accident and she um, has no memory left and um, she feels void of an identity. And that's how she's living her life until she hears the news story about a missing businesswoman who looks strikingly similar to her. And this sends her on a quest to determine um, if there's anything, any connection between her and this woman. And maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but she becomes obsessed with it. And, you know, and the more that she learns and the closer that she gets to answers, the closer danger gets to her. Oh, so this isn't just a quest for identity. There's also this like nefariousness happening in the background. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, the book is a psychological thriller. And one thing that often goes along with psychological thrillers is um, danger hiding in what once safe spaces or what were perceived to be safe spaces. Okay. Now I want to, now uh, speaking of safe spaces, this book takes place in small town, Wisconsin, but you live in Chicago. Why set your story there? Well, yes, I live, I live near Chicago and Wisconsin is our neighboring state. And I've been to Wisconsin many, many times. I love Wisconsin um, and I actually got the idea about the Wisconsin River when I was driving to go visit Wisconsin. It's on the side of the expressway. And I was just looking out the window and I was like, wow, that's so beautiful. But I bet it's pretty dangerous, too. And <laughs> so that's where the idea came from, in part, or at least the idea to include Wisconsin. That's where that part came from. So, yeah, I just I think it's such a beautiful state. So. Yeah. Question that I always ask debut authors is, why do this? What made you want to write a book? Because certainly this is a long, complicated, involved process. Well, I have always wanted to write a book. I've always been a writer. Um, from the time that I was a child, I would write stories and I would, you know, march into the living room and declare to my family that I was going to write a book. And of course, I didn't have the wherewithal to do it, so that would last about five minutes. But um, I always wanted to do it. And, you know, I love the law and the legal profession, but there was always that 
nagging feeling inside me that I had stories that I wanted to tell. And so, you know, when I got older, the, I guess the sound of that voice inside of me got too loud to ignore. And I felt like it's just time. It's time to write it. So I sat down and tried. <laughs> and how did that go when you, when you first began writing this book? Well, when I first started writing this book, um, gosh, well, let me back up for a minute. So this book is actually the third book that I've written. It's just my first published book. So the other two are kind of the proverbial books in the drawer, so to speak, or under the bed or wherever people put them. Um, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> that's what the other two are. And this is my third book. And I think I just wanted to try to have fun with it. I think the other ones, I was, you know, trying to get it right. And this one, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to write a fun story that's a psychological thriller with dangerous stuff happening. And I just sat down and, and tried to do it. So, Your definition of fun story is concerning to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so these other two stories, are these going to see the light of day? Um, not in the form that they're in right now. Um, I will say that the second book, I'm revising it. And it basically needs a rewrite. Um, the The first book, I don't know. That one was really <laughs> something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I have never spoken to a writer who has ever said that their first book was absolutely brilliant, and I definitely want to see it in print. They've always been like, "Nope, nope, it's in a drawer. <laughs> I'll it'll get like buried with me, or I'll burn it, or something." Absolutely. Absolutely. This one, I don't know. I think it's going to stay hidden forever. <laughs> oh, come on. You got to publish it now. I mean, you, you told us this much. Can, can you at least tell us what it was about? Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, let me just say, okay, how do I describe it? It was a women's fiction novel. Um, it was not crime fiction in any by any means. And it was kind of um, comedic, and it was about the legal profession. <laughs> so that's what it was about. It was just kind of a fun rom-com, women's fiction book about the legal profession. So, Wow, that is very different from, uh, from, what, from what you've given us. Very yes. different. But very different. speaking of which, you are a lawyer. Uh, this, yes. is, uh, this is your profession. You've been doing it for many, many years. How did that inform this book? Did it make it easier to write? I think that the skills that I learned in law school definitely made this easier to write. Um, the skills are definitely transferable. Um, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, in law school, they teach you how to think like a lawyer. And while that means many things are all different definitions of what that means to different people, to me, it means the skill of analyzing something and you know, issue spotting. So you learn in law school to spot issues, find the facts, and apply the law to those facts. So it's very, very analytical. And I think I used that to kind of apply what I wanted to happen in the story 
to the so-called facts because it's fiction, so there are no real facts, and to apply that to my story to make it all gel. And the other thing is that law school, in order to present a case, you really need to be able to look at the big picture. So like the issue spotting, the finding facts, that's all like the micro skills, looking at it on a micro level. But you also have to look at it on a macro level and be able to keep all these pieces in your head at one time and view the whole story, view the whole case. How does it come together? What's your side? What's the other side? What's the gray area in the middle? And I think that helped me with writing this book. I think it's a similar process to writing a story because you have to know the little details, but then you also have to be able to pan out and see the big picture as well. So I feel like all of those things really helped inform this novel. Mm -hmm. Now, do you work um, in criminal law? No, I don't work in criminal law. Okay, okay. (laughs) I I was curious about that because obviously not every lawyer works criminal cases. So did you have resources, people you knew, uh, other like colleagues that can kind of help you give some insight into the story? Um, I didn't actually ask anybody for insight. <laughs> I, I probably should have, um, but I didn't. I just really, I guess the other thing about you were saying how, you know, my legal career, my legal knowledge has informed this story. You know, being a lawyer I think we always, I always thought, oh, once you're a lawyer, you know all the laws about everything. But really, that's not true. Part of what you learn in law school is how to research, when you need to do research, and how to find the answers, and how to apply that to the case at hand. And so I think just as I was writing the book, something would come up, and I'd be like, wow, like I need a crime here, and I need... I need something to happen that ties into the story. I need a crime or I need to get a character out of a predicament. How would that happen? And I would just do some legal research on it on my own. And that's really what I did. So I hope I hope I did okay. But that's that's what I did. <laughs> Your internet search history must be absolutely amazing to follow. All the stuff you had to like look into. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, it's it's a little um <laughs> it's a little intimidating for me some of the things that I had to research because I'm like, wow, if anyone gets a hold of my computer, like <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be like, why why is she researching this crime? Like yeah. she must be crazy. So, uh, it's like the feds somewhere are like, Man, what is she up to? This is some weird stuff. Right, who's this lady? What's she doing? <laughs> like, it's like all all kind of like red flags pop up like okay. But 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 that's of course a critical part of the book, especially something like this. You got to know your stuff because you know someone will come up and say this is all wrong. So, how long did you have to research before you actually put pen to paper? <sighs> well, <laughs> um I researched for a little while. Again, probably not as long as maybe I should. I kind of <laughs> I kind of researched as I went along. So as an issue came up, I would take the time, I would stop writing for a while. So maybe that would take me a couple weeks to research something. Um, so I'd be like, wow, I, I really need to research this law. And so I would stop writing, I would do the research, and then I would filter that back into the story once I 
knew what it was. And also in revision, after I finished my draft, I circled back and I tried to double check things as much as possible. And, you know, if I got some things wrong, I apologize. And if people want to point them out, that's okay. Cause I, it's all a learning experience. So yeah. <laughs> Given all that, were you at all hesitant to finally get this off to the publisher? Um, yes, I was, I, I was, um, but I did a lot of revision on it. I really did. Um, I have read this book. I don't even know how many times I mean, I can, I can practically tell, tell people like what chapter something happens in because I've read it so many times and I took things in out. I put things in. I really, I tried, I really tried to make it as, as good as I could. So we'll see. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you have a beta readers or an editor? So, okay. Um, I did, I did. Um, well, I had an editor through my publisher. I had an editor, so that was very helpful. Um, prior to that, so this novel, I have a master's of fine arts and this novel was actually my thesis novel for the program. So I worked with um, two mentors that's part of the program. And so they were, you know, looking at it, beta readers for it throughout the program before I was able to graduate. It had to be in pretty good shape before I could graduate, before anybody can graduate. And, um, and then I did more revisions afterwards, after I graduated. So it was a long process, but yeah. <laughs> I feel like passing through that would be better than any book review ever. It's like, this was, this was how I got my MFA, folks. That's it. Yeah. And, and as part of the MFA, you know, you critique other people's work and people critique yours. So you really learn so much. And I know there's a lot of... Um, back and forth. Some people feel an MFA is worth it. And some people feel it's not, it just kind of depends. But to me, I think it was so worth it. And honestly, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And I would do it all over again if I could. <laughs> so it was really, it was great. I loved it. Mm -hmm. so. so what was cut from, from this book? Because I know that the editing process, so much stuff can get left on the cutting room floor. Oh, gosh. Well, the story changed a lot. Um, I had to change some of the crimes, speaking of <laughs> my research, because they didn't, I felt they didn't, they just weren't working for the story. Um, so I did change the crimes. I'm not going to say because I don't want to spoil anything, but um, I did have to swap some, some things out to make it work better and work the way I wanted it to work. Um, so that got cut out. And then I think the other thing is, you know, when you write a first draft, I just, I try to throw everything in it. I try not to edit myself as too much when I'm writing the first draft and in revision, you just cut things. So I cut things that I thought didn't move the story forward. So if there was something that I thought, wow, I mean, you know, that must have seemed nice when I was writing it, but it really doesn't add any value to this story. I cut those things. Those are the things that I felt needed to come out of the story. Mm -hmm. 
so we could have had a totally different book if you just kind of stuck with the original ideas. I guess not totally different, but different in some respects. Um, yeah, I think it would have been it would have been different, but I'm glad that I'm glad it changed because I I feel it's it's how it's meant to be. It got where it was supposed to be. And that's when you know it's ready to go. When you feel th- this is what it's supposed to be, it feels right, off it goes. Yes. Mhm. Exactly. All right. Well, then let's dive into some characters because I want to talk characters. Specifically Wanda Dellis, she is your main character for the book. Why did you want to go with the idea of a person who just has no memory? Like they just, they've been in an accident. They don't remember who they are. Well, I've always been fascinated by the idea of memory and identity and how those two things go together. So I guess I always felt that if you don't have, if you can't remember your past, how how can you know exactly who you are? I feel like our past experiences inform who we are today. And if those are taken away from us, how do we stay grounded? How do we know what we like and how to respond to things? So that was part of what intrigued me. And I kind of decided to just pull that thread of a character who had lost their memory and felt like they were in the wrong place and just couldn't figure out why, if they really were in the wrong place or if they were in the right place. And, you know, what would that be like? And part of the idea for Wanda came from, um, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I was working as a law clerk at a law firm. And when I showed up, one of the um, people who worked there came up to me and she called me by a different name. I don't remember what the name was. It was a long time ago. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Not, you know, my name's Lisa. You know, it's nice to meet you. And she's like, oh, my God, you look so much like so-and-so. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's neat. But then she kind of kept mentioning it to me in a very nice way. And I was like, oh, gosh. And one day she brought in a photograph of this person in like a group setting. And she's like, look. And I was like, oh my God, like that really does resemble me. I mean, not identical, but like I could see why she initially was like, could that be you? And I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be weird if I didn't know who I was? And like someone came up to me and showed me that picture I thought, gosh, I would really grab onto that. And I would really be like, wait, who is that? Where is that person? Could that be me? You know? So I just kind of pulled that thread when, and I just decided to create Wanda, who mm. kind of in the same situation. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I want to dive a little more into the more philosophical aspect here. Do you feel like a person isn't a person if their past is just like wiped clean? No, no, I don't feel like they're not a person. Um, I feel like we all, gosh, we all have that humanity for sure. Um, And just because a person may be suffering, you know, memory loss, my gosh, that does not erase who they are. Um, That was just kind of for purposes of the story to kind of set Wanda in motion. She if you read the book, she's, you know, been through quite a traumatic 
thing. So she feels very um, jostled and not in the right place. But no, I don't. I think that actually, if a person were to lose their memory to the extent that Wanda does in the book, I think it could also provide an opportunity to rediscover and recreate themselves. So I think, you know, I, I think there's also an opportunity there maybe to do things differently or discover new things about themselves. So. Hmm. This is an interesting premise, actually, because if you were to lose all that memory, it's like, yeah, you could just start over. You don't have to be who you were. Right. Because you really, you know, your actions, at least on a conscious level, wouldn't be influenced by that. Theoretically, I'm not an expert in, I'm not a psychologist, but um, theoretically, it would not influence your behaviors and you could kind of start fresh. I would think that maybe things you were afraid of, maybe you wouldn't be anymore. Maybe, you know, old traumas wouldn't be there the same way. Maybe. So. Hmm. Imagine losing your memory and then getting it back, but deciding, you know what? I don't want to be that person. I'm kind of cool with this new person I'm kind of made for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, wow, that would, <laughs> that could be pretty um, unsettling, I would imagine, to find out, right? That maybe, maybe you weren't what Philo- you thought you were. <laughs> Philosophy majors are like losing their minds right now with us. This is a whole <laughs> debate we're having here. Um, so I want to look at one is discovery of uh, Claire Stanbrick. She sees her on the news. She's like, huh, it looks, looks a, lot, a lot like me. But without being too spoilery, how does she just know that that could be her? Um, I don't think she does know that it could be her. Um, and it may or may not, in fact, be her. You know, we don't know. We have to read the book. Maybe yes, maybe no. But um, she does not know that for certain. Um, when she when she sees that news story, she's in a very low place in her life. And she's looking, she's like grasping at straws, looking for anything to help move her to a different place. So when she sees this and she, she sees a missing woman who looks a lot like her, she grabs onto that and she kind of decides, Oh, this could be, this could be me. And she imagines a whole life, a whole glamorous life for Claire that just feels more appealing to her than where she is now, where she feels kind of stuck because she doesn't, have her memories and just doesn't feel right. So she doesn't know, but she kind of creates a whole obsession fantasy around it. Now, who is Claire? I mean, is is this a person of like fame and fortune? Um, I would say she's kind of a, she's not a celebrity, but she's kind of like a Chicago entrepreneurial celebrity, if you will. So she's kind of, this successful female business owner who accomplished all this stuff on her own and had great success. She's also an heiress to a lot of money. So she just, she just lives this kind of fancy life and, you know, she's beautiful. So she could, depending, you know, she could be the envy of some people and she's certainly 
becomes the envy of Wanda when Wanda hears this news story because she's kind of like, wow, I could be in a totally different place than I'm in right now. So, yeah. You know, this kind of reminds me of um, the movie Anastasia, where this <laughs> woman bears a striking resemblance to a long lost Russian princess. And oh. they kind and and, that, and that's entirely a comedy. Obviously, this is not <laughs> most, <laughs> most most assuredly not. Um, so there aren't going to be kind of hijinks and mishaps and so forth. But how does she go about sort of proving that she could be this person? Well, so she goes on a quest. I don't want to give away too much. Exactly. To yep. be a little careful here. Um, she just starts to investigate. She just starts to research more about Claire and she thinks that she knows things and she, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't, but she just becomes obsessed and just keeps searching, searching, searching. And I, I don't want to give away too much of the exact means that she does, but she, she, uh, She's very determined. <laughs> um, as I was reading about the story, I was thinking, hmm, how would someone do that in 2022? You know, all the technology, you get your DNA tested, check fingerprints, dental records, all kinds of ways that you could prove definitively if you're not this person. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to be that, that, that like logic nitpicker for a moment. Mm -hmm. How, what are some of the impediments she finds in her investigation? Uh, well, for one thing, for one thing, Claire's body is missing. So, so she is, she's a missing woman. So there's no, there's, you know, there's no evidence for her to get to. Also, she wouldn't really have any access to it anyway. I mean, she's, she's not in law enforcement. She's not judge. I don't know how she could just march in somewhere and say, I want to do a DNA, DNA test. Give me the evidence from Claire Stamberg's case and let me, let's, let's go. Like, I just think they'd be like, what? So yeah, I, I really can't see the cops being entirely like, like, Oh sure. Why not? Let's go do this thing. Yeah. Like, all right, come on in. Like it just, <laughs> let's have some fun. Like, I just, I don't think that that would happen for her. So I think that's really why she can't do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as the book evolves, there's more of that that comes into play. So. Does Wanda ever question her quest? Like wonder, am I just doing this because my own life sucks so much and I want to have, to have this person's life? Yes, oh. absolutely. Yes, she does. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Next question. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, um, I know that this is part of a duology. This is uh, the first part of this. Uh, yes. What can we expect in the second book? Any any just general ideas? Yeah. Um, so in the second book, um, there are some of the same characters from the first book. So again, I have to be careful not to spoil anything, but um, there'll be familiar characters from the first book who will find themselves in a, another dangerous, mysterious situation. Um, so 
yeah, that's pretty much all I can say. But it's going to be familiar <laughs> characters, and it's going to make sense, and <laughs> and it will be mysterious and dangerous, and there'll be legal issues, and mm. hopefully it will be another. Hopefully it'll be a fun ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now we talked a bit about Claire, uh, her being an entrepreneur, very successful Chicago resident, but it mm-hmm. sounds like there's going to be more to meet the eye with her as we kind of go along. Yes, definitely. Yes, there's going to be more. <laughs> oh, I'm so intrigued here. Um, is it actually hard for you to avoid giving things away if you're talking with friends or family about the book? It is. It's very hard um, because I'm so used to thinking in my head, you know, Wanda this, Claire that, this happens with Wanda, this happens with Claire, that I have to be very careful. And um, especially when people ask me about the sequel, because it would be so easy for me to slip and just you know, (laughs) slip. So, um, it is, it is hard for me. And it's also hard when family and friends are talking about the book and maybe someone hasn't finished the book because people are like, Oh no, don't tell, don't say. And, you know, cause just the mystery of the story, it's just so central to the story that you just don't want it to be revealed. It would be a big spoiler. So, (laughs) and we don't do that. We never do spoilers. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Were you able to just like wing it with this book or did you have to really plot out the different points? Um, so I'm, I'm definitely, I, I'm a plotter, but I'm not a hardcore plotter. Like I know some people, they plot out every chapter, every scene, they know exactly what's going to happen. And I think that's amazing. Um, to me, I, the story doesn't come to me quite that, um, fleshed out. So I kind of plot out some parts of the story. So I usually know the beginning. I try to know the midpoint and then I know how I want the story to end. So I guess I'm kind of in between a plotter and I'm sure you've heard the term pantser, meaning right by the seat of your pants. I can't do that because to me that's that's too much freedom for me. I don't know where, I don't know what would happen, but, um, I like having those kind of those markers. So the beginning, the midpoint and the end, and then I kind of go from there. I let the story go, but I I kind of have an idea of where I want to go to those places. Hmm. So you're kind of a plotzer or a planter. Yeah, I am. Those words work. I don't know. (laughs) Those aren't words, so. so I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> it's okay. I like it. <laughs> um, now, this book was, uh, now, this book was released on August 22nd, so it's still fresh out the press, still has that new book smell. How are you on release day? How was I? Oh, gosh. Um, I was a combination of nervous and excited. Um, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. I kind of felt like, is this going to be a really busy day or is this going to be a slow day? I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, but it ended up being a really wonderful day um, because I got a lot of positive feedback from, you know, friends and people I didn't know even. And, you know, some people sent me flowers. Like it was just kind of fun. Well, a friend, a friend. It was someone I knew. <laughs> but um, I thought that was really sweet. So it just felt like a really special day, you know, no matter what happens with the book. And I hope I hope it'll be successful. But it was just really nice to 
mark that accomplishment that, wow, I actually worked really hard for this and my book is out in the world and, and I'm really grateful. I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> now, I know that in addition to everything else you do, which is substantial, uh, you also work as a book reviewer for Windy City Reviews, obviously through Chicago. <laughs> With a name like that, it could only be based out of Chicago. This is through yep. the Chicago Writers Association. Did this help you at all in your in your process? Reviewing books? Mm. Um, I don't know if it helped me in my process of writing the book, but um, it did provide me with the opportunity to, I guess there's something they call literary citizenship, which is really just part, you know, giving back to the writing community, participating in the writing community and supporting other writers and authors. And so the being a reviewer for Windy City Reviews, that is a volunteer position. I just do that because I love reading and I love supporting other writers. And it really just provided me with and continues to provide me with that opportunity to read other people's work and, you know, critique it and, um, yeah, be part, be part of uh, writing, the writing world, the writing community. So how are you at critiquing? Are you like really harsh or are you a little more measured out? Oh gosh, I am not harsh. <laughs> I am. I don't think I'm ever harsh. To, I don't like being harsh. Um, so I think that there is something positive in whatever anybody writes. I mean, the act of writing is an act of being vulnerable and putting yourself out there. And I think right there, there's courage in that. And I think that there's always something positive. So it, it doesn't have to be perfect to be a good story. And so I think when I review books, I do look for the positive. I don't lie. I don't make up stuff because that would be bad, <laughs> very unprofessional. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I would never. But I do, I do genuinely pretty much always enjoy the stories. And I, I, I talk about what I enjoy about the stories. That's that's what I do because it's there. So I why wouldn't I talk about it? So there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate this. Uh, but what is next for you now that the book's out there? Are we going to do tours, signings? What do you have in the works? Yeah. Um, well, I would like to do some readings at some bookstores. I'm trying to get some of those set up. Um, I'd like to do some more interviews. Um, and yeah, so I guess those are the things that I want to do. I'd like to do some readings at some bookstores and some podcast interviews and, and work, get that second book, <laughs> get the sequel written. <laughs> so yeah. Are you already getting people asking like when's the next, uh, when's the new book coming out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am. I am getting that. Oh boy. <laughs> I know. So I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like I have a day job. I can't do this all the time. It'd be nice, but I don't pay the bills. Yep, exactly. <laughs> all right. And for the folks at home, you can definitely check out more at lisashermanauthor.com. All the info is there. Get this book, leave a review leave a comment, whatever. I say it a lot. I'll keep saying it. Engagement is key. So follow her socials. It's all there. And Lisa, definitely looking forward to next time we can talk for the next book. 
Thank you so much. I, I would love to talk to you again, and it's been an absolute pleasure being here. Picture this. You finished your first book and nailed it. The plot, the characters, all the twists and turns. This one's a winner, and all you need is the right cover. If you've got my art skills, this is the part where panic usually sets in. Enter the cover villain, hero to writers everywhere. Founded by noted author Remy Flagg, Cover Villain focuses on composite image covers for science fiction and fantasy writers. Give them the details, and they'll craft a cover using popular trends that everyone will want to see. But wait, you say, I've got ideas of my own. No problem, as Cover Villain loves a good collaboration. As they say, our goal is to put a little villain in every cover we make. Want to know more? Then head to CoverVillain.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And that brings this episode to a close. You can follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and check the show out wherever you find your favorite podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.